The Art Dealer Diaries are brought to you by Medicine Man Gallery, located for over 26 years in Tucson, Arizona, specializing in antique Native American art, early Western art, including the famed Maynard Dixon, as well as modern art. You can find everything online at medicinemangallery.com. There's over 6,000 objects to select from. Also, the Charles Bloom Murder Mystery Series, written by yours truly, me, Mark Sublett. There are seven books in the series, and they follow the protagonist Charles Bloom through all the intrigue of the art world set in Santa Fe and the Navajo Nation. These can be found on Audible, eBooks, Amazon, and of course, the gallery at medicinemangallery.com. Had Greg Newbolt today on my podcast, and I've represented Greg for only a couple years, and I found him on Facebook. So for those that are artists out there who wonder, how do I get into a great art gallery or even a art gallery period, people like myself do look on social media and we look for these artists that have a voice, this unique sensibility. And, you know, when I saw his work, I immediately said, wow, who is this guy? And he is a really interesting guy. We, we got to talk about how he started in illustration, went from illustration and really made that his life's work for a very long time, then taught at BYU. But always, I think it was back of his mind of being this fine artist. And, you know, he has kind of blown it out of, as far as I'm concerned of what he's doing now. And uh, he's a guy that you really want to uh, see what's impossible for him because I think he's still at that point where we, when we look back, at, you know, 10 years from now, we go, oh my gosh, we could have had a Greg Newbold. And it was still at a, a level that was affordable. So it's a very interesting podcast. I had fun with Greg. He's a fun guy, and we did it in his studio. So I do recommend people who are listening to this, if you go to the YouTube version, you can see some of the artwork we talk about. I think it just makes it a little more uh, granular when you can see the kind of paintings that he's done and what we talk about those paintings. And so it's a, it's a really fun uh, podcast, especially if you're an artist. Greg Newbold. All right, I got Greg Newbold here, and uh, we've never had this, got to have this conversation. It's, you, we were going to try a couple different times. You were going to come down to Tucson, and then something happened, then Corona happened, and you know what? I got to tell you, this is better, and I'll tell you why. I get to look at all those beautiful paintings in your studio, and for those people who are um, just watching, or listening to this, I highly recommend you go to YouTube and take a look. In fact, is that Maynard Dixon in the upper back? Which way I mean, this way yeah, that way uh-huh who, who is that behind you up top way oh. up yeah that's a caricature of maynard dixon that was done <laughs> by my friend chris payne there you go okay I, I, anytime there's a dixon i'm going to be able to pick it out <laughs> yeah yeah he he tra i traded a an, another drawing for him for that piece. oh yeah that's, that's very nice yeah excellent that's so how are you doing in all this stuff pandemic wise well, we're, we're staying healthy. We're, you know, we're hanging in as, as much as you could probably expect, I guess, you know, it's, uh, it's weird. In what fashion is it weird? Well, you know, I mean, artists generally are, are sort of hermits anyway. So it's not like it affected my, um, my typical work situation. Cause I work at home, but, um, everything else has shifted. So the spillover just is weird, you know, but it's a weird time. It yeah. is. It's, it feels it's, weird. It's and you're probably, you have kids, right? I've got three. And they're probably 
have been at home more than they have been in the past, right? They're well, one, one's married, so he's got his own place. Um, but my other two are, are here in, you know, living in the basement. So yeah, good place for kids. <laughs> they, they don't complain about the price of the rent. So, uh-huh. <laughs> and they better not. <laughs> they better not. Uh, so, so where did you grow up? So I was born and raised here in Utah. Um, where though specifically it was it's called south jordan uh at the time when i grew up it was pretty fairly rural lots of fields and farms and things around and uh but now it's just all completely suburban and where is that where's south jordan? it's about it's about 25 minutes from downtown salt lake oh yeah that's fine. so to the south and when did you grow up when what was your time frame of, like, so I'm I'm pretty much a '80s kid, '70s, you know, '70s. I was in junior high, and by the time it, we got to the '80s, I was in high school. Yeah. So I graduated high school in '85. In '85, and did you have brothers and sisters? Yeah, I've got uh, an older sister, older brother, and then three younger brothers. Yeah, and was your older brother how old? Much older is he? Two years. Yeah, so he didn't have to deal with the Vietnam issues at all. No, no, no. We we thankfully dodged all of that. It it had wrapped up. Yeah, you know, I was in elementary school. I remember it wrapping up, but I didn't really yeah. pay too much attention to it. And what what did your mom and dad do? So, my dad was in advertising. He was an advertising executive um, for uh, one of the bigger. Salt Lake City firms at the time, and uh, my mom, you know, she had a, uh, a part-time job on and off, but mostly she was just home with us. Mm -hmm. You know, she got a bunch of kids, right? So that's you. There was what five of you? Uh, six. Six of you, yeah. So that's yeah, that is a full-time job. It was a more than a full-time job. You know, I, I would trade the advertising job for the being <laughs> way easier job being a advertising guy. And so does, was he an artist? Was your father an, or is an artist? No, my dad, like I said, he was an executive. But the interesting thing about my art exposure, I think, was because he was in advertising, he he rubbed shoulders a little bit with with creative people. I'm sure. And uh, and he saw that I liked to draw. You know that drawing for me is one of my earliest memories. Was drawing. We we went to a rodeo one time, and I came home and I wanted to draw cowboys on horses and lasso and cows and stuff. And and they were probably terrible because I was probably five or six, mm -hmm. four or five, six years old. But I remember being very proud of them, and I would like take the scissors and fringe the edges of the paper and make them look kind of western and. You know, it's just it, those are some of my earliest memories is drawing. My dad would go to press checks at the newspaper or whatever, and and uh, he'd bring home the end rolls of the newsprint. You know, these massive rolls of paper, and right. he'd give give them to us, and and uh, we'd go down on the floor of the the then unfinished basement and roll them out and draw big murals and just have fun with it. And you was know. that not just you, but was also your siblings would do that? No, too? you know, my brother, my older brother did it with me a lot. And then later, my younger brothers, we're, we're basically all two years apart, except for my youngest brother. 
And um, so we did it quite a bit, but uh, you know, there hit a point where my older brother discovered basketball and that was it for the drawing and girls. I just kept doing it. My sister never really drew. Yeah. Um, she played the piano and uh, you know, I, I kind of just stuck with the art. Were you recognized as a kid in school that early on, did your, any of your art teachers you know, give you an award or uh, recognize you for your art talent when you were in primary school? I, I think that that actually was a factor in me continuing because we had every year at school, they had, they called it the um, school fair. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you could do whatever art or craft project you wanted and bring it and enter it and they would judge them and they would pick a, a winner for each class and so i think for three or four years in a row i won my class prize wow to the point where other kids were like well i'm not entering this year greg's just gonna win anyway yeah <laughs> <laughs> and so and was that like second through sixth grade kind of stuff yeah yeah uh yeah second second through fifth yeah sixth seventh eighth was in what they called middle school so so uh, your, second, rep was, your rep was right off the bat as you're the artist kid. Uh, I, I liked it. I, I knew I was good at it. And I think um, that motivated me to continue. It, it was fun. It was, it was what I liked to imagine doing, you know, when I wasn't in school. Were you good at other kinds of things in school as far as didactic kind of things or really uh, so creative? I, stuff I was like always a pretty good student. I, I, I graduated um, in high school, you know, near the top of the class. But at the same time, people gave me some guff about the fact that I took a lot of art classes. They did thought they that- have, Did they yeah. have art classes to actually take in high school? I did. Um, I, in fact, my senior year, the second half of my senior year, I had three art classes a day. Wow. Uh, because I had that many electives available to take. So I just filled them all with art classes. So I had a sculpture class, a painting class, and a, what they called commercial art class. And uh, I took those. And uh, so I had a pretty cushy senior year schedule. No math, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and you knew, you must have known at that point that art was your path, or you at least thought it was? I, at that point, I had pretty much decided that was what I wanted to do. I think, I think somewhere between eighth and ninth grade when I sold my first couple of paintings. Oh yeah. Tell me about that. It, it was, you know, it was nothing big, but they would have little art shows like in eighth grade, they had an art show um, for, for the art students and, and uh, they had a purchase award and they gave it to me. And I think that was like 50 bucks. And so it was not like, a lot of money but for an eighth grader you somebody buys your painting for 50 bucks you think that's pretty cool and yeah. uh so i think these are really fundamentally important things that happen to kids when they're in primary school and i hear this story over and over again from artists what you're telling me which is one of the reasons i asked these this line of questioning because for whatever it is that affirming of yes this is you're good and other people like it and i think purchase awards and things like that where you get a real prize in your case money really sets the tone in your own mind that 
hey, this is something I'm good at and want to follow. I've heard this story sure. a, lot, a lot of artists, which is really interesting. I, I've heard that from from some of your other podcasts I've listened to. So yeah. it, I don't think it's uncommon. But on the flip side, I think um, a lot of kids give up on art really early because somebody told them that they were doing it wrong or or, or they didn't feel quite as accomplished or good as the kid next to them. And they're like, well, I, you know, if I'm not going to be good at it, I'm going to quit. And I, and I think that's a really kind of destructive attitude that gets permeated in, in the school system. Um, some adult will tell you, oh, you, that's not how you draw a tree. And right. I mean, yeah, that's garbage. You know, I'm, you draw a tree however you want. <laughs> you know, but, but, but for whatever reason, kids get discouraged and they quit. And I think it's I think it's sad because anybody that wants to make art could make art if you know if they dedicate some time and effort to it. Well, I think all um, teachers have a great power that we don't even realize. I mean, I I know there's a lot of young women that get xed out of science classes and things because you know they're treated differently or they're told you know they're not going to be able to do this just because really because they're a girl. And, right. And so they don't want to have to deal with a, a male-dominated, you know, area. And so they moved to, on to something else. And I think it's, it's you know, hopefully it's changing. That we're I, recognizing I these do things, think it's changing. I hope so. Um, my, my daughter is currently finishing her master's degree in um, archaeology. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's in science. Mm -hmm. uh, she got a uh, degree in geology for her undergrad and then moved into archaeology. I mean, she's been over to... Petra in Jordan to do archaeological digs like eight different sessions. I mean, it's it's amazing what she's accomplishing, you know. So what I think is, there's what is she going to do? Do you know what? What does she want to do with that degree? Do you know? Um, well, she's applying to uh, PhD programs right now, so hopefully she'll she she would like to move into this sort of archaeological research, and you mm -hmm. have to you have to be a PhD and be associated with a research university. So how did she get that interest? Was that with you going out on painting trips? Um, well, we, we went to a few of those types of places, but it, it all started with dinosaurs for her. Yeah. Um, okay. And, uh, and we're really close to uh, Vernal, Utah, where they have dinosaur national monument. And, right. and there's, there's a, there's a ton of dinosaur beds in Utah and we visited most of them. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> On her insistence or just? Um, no, I think, weren't we all kind of dinosaur kids back in the day? I was. Oh, I forgot. You did a whole book on dinosaurs, right? You yeah. Yeah. Our, right. Our second, our second book that my wife and I, my wife, Amy wrote, uh, they're picture books. They're, they're uh, to introduce kids to uh, the styles of famous artists. Um, by imagining a subject that they may not have ever painted. Like the first book was called If Picasso Painted a Snowman. Right. And, uh, and so that one was her idea. She was on a trip with her sisters in France and they were at the Picasso Museum. And, and you know, you're, you're aware Picasso was a multi-talented dude. He could draw like the best of them right. before, he, before he switched to cubism. And uh, she just thought, wow, I wonder what a snowman would look like if Picasso painted a snowman. And uh, that started from there. Her sister said, that's a great idea for a book. <laughs> it, took us, it took us a few years to find the right publisher, but 
it was a lot of fun to work on and quite a challenge I might add um I had to kind of mimic and channel the styles of all of these famous artists you know right to, what'd you do with to, all those paintings that you made out of this um there are they're in, in the back room in storage <laughs> I mean I pull them out we we take them to um elementary schools when we go in and talk about creativity and we have a presentation where we talk about the books and we talk about the different styles and how there's no right or wrong style you know when it comes to art you can just be creative and do what you want and we kind of give kids permission to just do art you know don't worry about what other people think or what they say if you like doing it you should do it you should follow it and uh, and I think it empowers these kids to just maybe continue with something that they like, even if other people are shooting them down a little bit. And is, this, our, is this volunteering in like elementary schools that you go in? Well, and this, yeah, I mean, I mean, sometimes sometimes they're volunteer uh, presentations, but a lot of times the, the schools will pay us to come in and, and give our presentation and, you know, pay for our time to be there. And, and That's so great. It's kind of nice. the system in your in Utah values art enough to do that. Uh, it it's not all the time, you know, but we get asked enough to come in and do them, and and a lot of these like the PTA or or the school will have an arts budget, uh, and they'll bring in speakers once in a while to. Uh, I think it's to just give a variety and and mix up the curriculum a little bit. Yeah, I get concerned actually as far as with the coronavirus and kids that aren't going to be in school as far as with the arts, because I think it's a very difficult thing to really teach uh, remotely. It's harder than most things, I think. It, it, it is. We haven't yet done uh, one of these remote presentations, but I'm sure we could figure it out. You know, Zoom seems pretty powerful here. Um, so we'll see how it goes with this upcoming school year. We had, when Corona, when, when corona hit, Mm -hmm. We had uh, three or four presentations that were scheduled for the end of the year that just got completely canceled. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so we took a hit there and, and uh, it's starting to come back. We just got asked yesterday to do uh, one in September. It's an outdoor socially distanced kind of arrangement. So yeah, that's cool. Well, that's great. Actually, we, we hope it'll work. Yeah, if you can focus them in on the art and not the butterflies that are running around. And <laughs> it, it, I mean, it's they're supposed to have a number of different authors, so it's going to be a little bit like a, a festival, I guess, of of reading, and it'll be it should be fun. And so back to when you were growing up, so you knew you were going to go into art, or at least you thought that was your path. What did your folks think about you going into college as fun, uh, in art? Uh, so. My mom's sister is an artist. She graduated with a degree in art. And, um, and so it wasn't like a foreign idea for my mom. Um, my dad was in advertising, uh, rubbed elbows with uh, some artists and some creative types. And, and so he kind of had a feel that, you know, there are people that do make a career out of it. And, uh, and he saw how much I loved it and how much uh, how hard I worked at it. And he said to me one time after I'd already been doing it for a while, um, you know, I never worried about you making it in art because I saw 
how much you loved it. And I saw how hard you were willing to work to make it happen. And, and, and I had never heard that from him before. You know, there were a couple of moments where he's like, well, maybe you should go into architecture. That's drawing, you know, and I, and I right. thought about it, but it just didn't have the same appeal. Yeah. And was he like, you no, know, maybe advertising then if you don't do that? Yeah. You know, there's always that moment in your life where somebody asks you in elementary school, well, what are you going to be when you grow up in that? And I remember writing it, advertising and the teacher asked me why. And I'm like, because that's what my dad does. You know, yeah. I mean, it was just something I didn't really know what it was. But right. at the time, it seemed like a good deal because it was good enough for dad, you know. Right. <laughs> and so where did you go to college? I studied undergraduate at Brigham Young University. Uh -huh. um, so they had, uh, they still have a, a pretty robust um, illustration program. Mm -hmm. And uh, I figured illustrators, you know, could make some money. I had no idea how fine artists made money at, at the time. And I still don't know how they do it. <laughs> sometimes they don't <laughs> all right yeah. uh but but i figured you know i i had i had uh some heroes like you know norman rockwell and some of these fantasy artists i don't know if you're familiar with frank frazetta uh, -huh. uh you know some of these guys that whose work i'd seen and i was like oh that's cool you know i could i could get into that and and uh they had a they had a, a good program and and it taught the things that I wanted to learn, you know, realistic drawing and, and actual painting. And, uh, you know, it wasn't just this esoteric, ethereal kind of modern art approach. It was a real hands-on, learn how to draw kind of approach. Right. And did you know of Maynard Dixon before you went to BYU? No. In fact, it may have been at BYU when I first discovered his work. Of course, you know, they have that huge Dixon yeah. collection. Yeah, I do know. 87 and, pieces they bought in 1937 for $37. Yeah. You know, Harold R. Clark got the deal yeah. of the century. <laughs> and do you remember seeing his work there when you were there? Uh, I, I do. I don't remember exactly when I saw it, you know, but the big paintings, um, the the uh, Depression era paintings that they right. have. I think those were some of the first ones that I saw. But then when I found his landscapes, I was even more enamored. And, uh, and you know, he's been a constant influence ever since. Um, yeah. One of my very favorites. So, Well, and it shows because you traded a painting for a Maynard Dixon portrait in the back of your studio there. Yeah, <laughs> when, I saw, when I saw Chris, he did that as a demo uh, for one of his classes and he posted it online and I'm like, ah. I love Maynard Dixon. <laughs> so yeah, we traded. And so you took, you went right into the illustration in college. That was what you thought you would want to be as I, an illustrator. I, I did. I went straight in. They had a four-year program. And so I went straight into their foundational classes and uh, started, you know, started from the bottom. They, they, you know, they require it. So you start from the bottom and you, you do the basic drawing classes of, uh, perspective classes, um, 2D and 3D design. We had typography class. We had hand lettering classes. Mm. Um, so we kind of ran the gamut, uh, you know, figure drawing, portrait painting. Um, and then we got into more of a commercial application type classes where we'd get an assignment and have to come up with a solution and do the painting and, 
all that stuff. So they had a business class, they had a history of illustration class, they took other art history classes. So we got a, a really nice broad uh, education from, from that perspective. And you were taking studio art as well, those kind of things? Um, so no, at the time they had uh, the illustration department was its own department. Hmm. So there wasn't as much crossover. I did crossover a couple of times and I took a couple of classes from uh, a really renowned fantasy artist by the name of James Christensen. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with James's nope. work. You should look him up. He's really great, really great stuff. And, um, and he was very inspiring for me because he was, he had the, he had the chops of uh, a really well developed illustrator, but he painted these fantasy paintings um, in just such a uh, whimsical, beautiful way that I, you know, I fell in love with his work. Um, and so, yeah, he, I did take a couple classes from him. Well, I see some of that in your, you know, your illustrations. You definitely have that kind of whimsical sensibility to them. Yeah, I, I think so. I, you know, I mean, we're, I think as artists, you kind of end up being the sum, the sum total of all of your influences, all the things that you love. And, uh, and you can't help but escape. You, you can't really escape your roots, I don't think. Uh, hopefully you get to a point where you're just doing your thing. Right. Well, you, you definitely have your own style. I mean, there's no doubt about it. You can see your paintings a mile away. There's, I, I, don't, I don't even know exactly how to describe what I see, but there's a softness maybe to them, to the way that they, the sensibility of how you do the landscapes, almost like a E. Martin Hennings meets Maynard Dixon kind of a well, sensibility. Which is I, not a bad uh, thing, right? <laughs> oh, that's not a bad thing at all. Anytime you get mentioned in the same breath with guys like that, you know, you got to take that as a nice compliment. Yeah, your clouds are, uh, I mean, you can't help but see a, a, a similarity in the way that you envision your clouds as how Dixon did it for sure. And I don't mean that your clouds look like Dixon. I mean, you capture the type of clouds that he would have liked in that. Yeah. Scene. Yeah. I can see that. You know, I, I have, I have other influences too um, on the regionalist end of the scale. You know, I real, I'm a real fan of like Thomas Hart Benton, Grant Wood. And those oh, I see the Benton for sure. As yeah, well. For so, sure. so, you know, they, they, I think and all of those too. Yeah, I see uh, both us very much so. I think all of those influences. It was interesting. I I was not aware of those guys at all. Um, and I was in college, and I was already going down this road of sort of a, you know, what I call a stylized realism, where you know it's it's a lot more about shape design. I'm not trying to necessarily depict everything as it appears, but but you know design it and take those shapes and push them and and become something a little bit more and uh, and i saw these grant wood paintings and i'm like well i you know everybody knows american gothic so i knew who he was but i hadn't seen a ton of his stuff and i got looking at it and i'm like i love this guy yeah no he was great he did a lot of things better than american gothic in a lot of ways I think. oh oh the american gothic's probably not his best painting it's yeah, it's I, a great painting but it's not one of my favorite it's not my favorite grant Wood painting. right and, I and you know so those those sensibilities that they were displaying in their work just really um resonated with me and and i think that i i try to incorporate similar things in my work Mm -hmm. you know, I'm, not, I'm not, I'm not 
sort of um, tied down to uh, replicating realism as I as it is in front of me, right? As, as much as it is being inspired by that, and and then going down over here a little bit, right? I I, I see that. And when did you? So let's just go back with the illustration because you graduate from BYU, is that correct? Yeah, yeah. With a degree in illustration, right? And so, what do you do from there? So so I jumped right in. Um, I had a job uh, that got me through college at um, a, an educational software company, mm -hmm. and we did the uh, we did the, the graphics for their software for their for their lesson plans, and they were these chintzy sixteen bit graphics, you know, with the gigantic yeah. pixels and right. and like twelve colors, right. and uh, and and it was fine, and they paid okay for a college student. And by the time I graduated, I was I was working there three quarter time so I could get benefits and and uh, so I stayed for a couple of years, and then uh, right at the the time we were having our second child, um, we started hearing the the rumors that they were going to shut down our department or move us all to California or whatever, and and I started looking for a way out if if right. that were possible and uh so the day we brought our son home from the hospital i had a phone message that said um congratulations on on your baby we hope you got the flowers and by the way you need to give us a call <laughs> no. and I, I knew right then that, that they were going to lay us all off yeah and so uh <laughs> but you got flowers <laughs> i got some flowers we got flowers um and so they laid us all off. Uh, I got a couple of months of severance, and 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 so I we kind of decided, okay, here's the shot. We're going to try and freelance this thing and see how it goes. Um, and that was in '94. Uh, '94. And so you got married in college. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you get you know got married in college, right? Started having children right off the bat. Yeah. Now you've got to also earn an income. <laughs> right, right. So no pressure, right? Yeah, no pressure at all. <laughs> no pressure. And your dad and, uh, doesn't have a basement waiting for you. So he's like, okay, get out there. So yeah, we kind of had to figure it out. And, uh, you know, it was, it, was, it was rough at times. We, you know, we ate a lot of uh, mac and cheese and whatever. And, um, but I slowly started forging uh, the illustration career and picking up some, some decent clients and, so you, right at that point, you said, okay, I want to do this myself. I'm going to be my own business guy. I'm going to. Yeah. Well, like I said, I, I was looking for an, I was looking for an exit plan to just start freelancing. Mm -hmm. And cause I had some friends that had, had done the same and, and I'm like, okay, uh, I can figure this out and, and make some money in the illustration world and, and, fi and figure it out. So that's kind of what we did. And we just started consider at that point in time, trying to do fine art at all. I, I, I didn't because that's not what I'd been trained in. Right. Um, that came later. And uh, so, so we just dove into the illustration markets and, you know, I started getting, you know, more book covers and advertising work. And you did a lot of book covers, right? I've, I've been a no, yeah, quite a number of book covers um, over the years and a lot of, 
you know, not as much now, but I did a lot of magazine work and, and uh, advertising work and, and uh, you know, you do things like annual report covers and, you know, advertising and stuff for the zoo and stuff for the theaters and, and you're also uh, doing big corporation stuff too, aren't you? You doing some, some uh, larger corporation things. I've done a few things, you know, I've done, I've done labels for people like Heinz and uh, done things for FedEx and American Express and, you know, all the major book publishers and, you know, magazines like Boys Life magazine. And, and uh, so, you know, I've, I've been in, able to stay busy enough over the years to, to make it work. Were they using, starting to go to computers? really doing all this stuff on computers as far as illustration or were you still drawing it out painting and that kind of thing so so it, when i started everything was done by hand I, I painted in acrylic mostly um and uh you know you'd have to go get it photographed or you'd have to fedex the original art overnight to the client and right. hope that it didn't get damaged on the way and and so you had to be finished at least 24 hours before the deadline so you could get it to them. And, right. uh, and uh, there, there was just a lot of logistics that I think have changed now that, um, you know, most of that has switched to digital. So um, in just to backtrack back to, to answer what you asked. Um, so in 2006, I lost my dad and um that hit me really hard. And, and I had already been kind of in a, in a place where um, I was feeling a little stagnant. You know, I wanted to, I wanted to push my career to the next level and figure it out, figure out what was next. And um, I, I toyed around with going back to grad school and just hadn't had the right situation, but, but shortly after he passed away, you know, you kind of have this epiphany and kind of go, okay, what do I want to try and do with the, with the rest of the time I've got and, right. and, and figure it out. And so at the time I thought, okay, well, I, I had taught some classes uh, at the university and, and uh, that was enjoyable. And, and I thought, well, maybe I'll go back, get a graduate degree, start teaching or, or uh, just see what happens. And um, so I found a, a graduate program that was uh, limited residency. So you just go, uh, you know, a couple weeks, four, four weeks scattered throughout the year. And then you do a lot of remote projects and things. And, and, uh, and at the University of Hartford in Connecticut. Uh, and uh, so I enrolled in that. And again, as MFA in illustration and uh but but as i went back there they encouraged us to take some time to think about what you know what was the next steps for us in our careers and what kind of goals we wanted to make and so i set two goals for myself besides getting the degree that everybody wants to see if you're if you're going to try and teach and um one was to learn how to paint digitally because that you know that was the the trending norm mm -hmm. at the time everybody wanted to see digital and uh and the other was to learn how to oil paint so i had two goals moving through that program 
and uh, and so I've been able to accomplish both of those. Most of my illustration work, which I still do, uh, not as much as I used to, but I still do, is done digitally now. I paint in Photoshop, and it's super easy to deliver it. You just upload it, and boom, it's gone. And you know, yeah. if they make if they make changes, you just make them and upload them a new file. <laughs> It's, uh, it's, it's a lot more simple logistically to do that. But the thing that I think really enamored me was this, was this concept of how to oil paint. You know, that was, that was like a new thing for me. I'd painted in acrylic my entire career, um, trying to figure out what oil painting was and what it would do was, was like this. It was an eye opener for me and frustrating as heck. And this was 206 that you... Yeah, so so I started the program in 07. My dad passed in 06. I started in 07 that summer. And then it was a it was a basically a two-year program. I finished in 09. And you must have been one of the older students at that point? Was um, that actually, no. The, the, because of the way their program was set up, it, it's geared toward working professionals because, okay. you know, you, you can't pick up your life and go to school for two years somewhere. Right. So, so it was, it was structured so that you just come in for a few weeks a year and, and do the program. And it's, it's super intensive, 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. every day. Yeah, I can imagine. You know, it, 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 it takes a lot out of you, but it was great. And I met great people. Um, but most of the students were around my age, you know, uh, mid-career kind of people. Or people that were going back to get the degree so that they could advance in their teaching positions or whatever. Right. And um, so, yeah, I met a lot of great, talented artists that are, you know, about my same age and made great new friends that I'm still in touch with. And it was pretty, it was pretty awesome. It was, I credit that decision as a turning point in, you know, what I'm doing today. Yeah. Well, that's really when you become a fine artist or the basis of the start of that. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Because I did my first oil paintings at that time, uh, came really interested and enamored with, you know, what it meant to be an oil painter and be a gallery painter. Right. Uh, try and figure out the subject matter and the, and the scale and different things that are involved in, in, you know, doing gallery work. And, and what is that, by the way, I'm curious to hear from a, uh, well, what it is that you have to have for a gallery? I don't. I'm still trying to figure it out. But you know, people <laughs> assure <laughs> people assure me that 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 I'm going in a decent direction. So I keep following that. But I think the difference being with the illustration work, there, there there's like two sets of challenges: uh, gallery work opposed to illustration work. Um, the illustration work you get. Um, directive and, and, a, and a task there's a problem to solve that's that's given to you and a time and, and i and and in a lot of regards i love that challenge because it's like okay how can i take the problem that they're giving me and solve it and and make them love it or make them love it even more than they imagined they might love it and um and and so that's still an appealing challenge to me but, but on the gallery side, it's like, how can I paint what's meaningful to me and what I love and what, what I respond to and do it in a way that hopefully other people will connect with it. And, and so 
that's, that's a conundrum, I mean. right? I mean, that is a conundrum. It, it, it is because it, you you can't not you can't not acknowledge what somebody else might enjoy because they're the ones that are going to buy it. Right. And yet you have to find this balance between what is it that I love? You know, I've heard before, Oh, you just paint what you love and people will buy it. And I don't think that's completely true. Hopefully, hopefully (laughs) paint what you love. um, And you do it in a way that is honest. Then that shines through. And then the people that see it respond to, and they connect with it because it is honest. Right. And, and that's, so I guess that's more the hope, you know, I, I'm always going to paint what I am interested in and what I love. I'm not going to go, oh, you know, so-and-so, they want another Grand Canyon painting or whatever. And I mean, luckily, I love the Grand Canyon, so I'll probably paint it. Right. But I'm not going to do it exactly the way they want it, you know. Right. Well, you've done that road. You've done illustration, right? I mean, you have yeah, to, yeah. So you have to, you know, produce their what they are wanting and what they think and on a timeline. And it's a different set. It's a different skill set for sure. Sure. It is. And, you know, and, I, and I, like I said, I still love it. Like I've done four picture books in the last three, you know, three years. And, uh, and we say picture books, what do uh, you mean? children's books, children's books. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, they're, they're 32 page full color, like, so we're going to look at one of these. He's, well, just, he's going around. to pull it out. He's pulling out a couple of them. And I know at least one of them was about dinosaurs too, if I remember. So, so yeah, the, I mean, these are, these are our, our picture books. So if uh, Monet was a monster was one, we're seeing a picture of, uh, oh, that's cute. If and, Monet painted a monster, you know, here, here's the dinosaur one you were talking about, you know. Yeah, that one. <laughs> da Vinci painted a dinosaur. Had to have Dino Lisa there on the cover so yeah um so so the front uh did she get the uh, premier uh authorship there yep written by amy illustrated by greg so (laughs) and is that hard to do that collaboration with your wife on those you know it was it was refreshingly fun to do to work with her um you know for my whole career it's sort of like she's the facilitator she's the one that keeps the ship from sinking and and lo- keeps the logistics with the kids all in line and all that stuff. And so now that the k- kids are, you know, grown, we, uh, we had a lot more, we, we joke cause we, we sent all the kids off to college and it was just the two of us for a year. Yeah. And, uh, and that's when we did the snowman book together and it was so fun. It, it really was a, a fun creative. That's why, I mean, I, to me, that's you getting to create. Yeah. It was like we had our own little book baby, you know, right. And are those successful? I mean, financially? Uh, yeah. So the first one, I mean, they're not like New York Times best-selling level successful, right? But but um, they're they've done well. The first the the second book was ordered by the publisher before the first one even hit the shelves, based on their pre-orders. Mm. So. And then, and then by the time the second one was done, they're like, well, we got to have a trilogy. So, you right. know, we just came up with new ideas and did, did new books. And where can people find those books? Uh, they're easily found on Amazon or any of your bookseller, independent booksellers or, um, 
Who is the publisher that did this? They're they're called Tilbury House. They're kind of a mid publisher out of Maine, uh-huh. and uh, but they're you know they distribute nationwide and they're they're easy enough to find. You can get them on Amazon for, you know, really easily. And do you anticipate doing more of those kind of collaborations and different kinds of things? Um, we we hope to. Amy's got a a literary agent now, and and she's written a, a number of other manuscripts and and shopping them they're you know they're going to be shopping them around there's no guarantee there's no guarantee that i'll be the illustrator but i wouldn't mind she's writing in the children's field yeah she writes picture books and young adult novels okay so she's she's uh working on her first full-length young adult novel well she's probably (laughs) I don't know. She's got a bunch of them in process. I understand that concept. Yeah. You know? So it's I I can't say it's her first because she's written. You know. You know. You know how it goes. It's like she's trying to get one to the point where it's right. the agent the agent will sell it. Yeah, I get it. And uh, but she's got a number of picture books that are in the works and and uh, at the agent the agent's looking at and you know how it goes. You get it to a point where they think it's uh, polished enough to send out to query. Uh, editors and and then out it goes and you see what the response is yeah my feeling is that the only thing harder than being a fine art painter is to be a writer I, um i think that is the yeah the living as a writer i mean i write books clearly but i wouldn't want to have to pay my electric bills with it i don't even know if i could pay my electric bills with it. It, it, it it's challenging um but I think Amy's always felt like she was a writer and she just didn't acknowledge it until, you know, the kids were big. Yeah. And then finally one day it's like she sat down and she said, well, I've always been a writer. Might as well just do it. Yeah. There you go. I know that feeling. So. And so when you finished this MFA in 209 and now you're considered, you, you know how to do things on the computer for illustration, but you also know how to paint with oil paints and you're considering yourself as a fine artist at this point, what do you do at that point from there as far as gallery representation or or do you just keep working on your craft? Well, yeah, well when you say I know how to oil paint, I think that nobody that oil paints really <laughs> feels like they know how to oil paint. You can, let me it, rephrase it, you can paint with oil now. It's a, it's a process. I, I, I have some facility with oil paint now. Well, um, you have a lot of facility. It, 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 but it, it, it's an ongoing process. And I think anybody that thinks they have arrived at any juncture is it, just gonna, they're just gonna crash and burn at some point. You just, I think the whole idea of sitting on your laurels is just a recipe for disaster. So I, I, I'm clearly continuing to try and learn more and gain more facility with with the paint and and figure out what it is about what I want to do and how to express that um that that'll clearly just keep evolving um but but what I did do was um I, I I did teach at Brigham Young University for about three years full time as a guest professor um which was a great experience. Was that an illustration that you were teaching? Yeah, yeah. So there, there is something about teaching that um, forces you to evaluate everything that you do and break it down into digestible 
uh, portions so that you can explain it to students. And so in that regard, it really reinforces the skill set that you've already developed. And I've heard teachers tell me that the students actually have helped make them a better painter as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's, there's a certain, there's a certain uh, freshness of their creativity, even if they don't have the skill set uh, and, and their ideas and, and the things that, uh, that they're creating are, they're inspirational because they're, they're, they're not coming from your head. You're seeing into somebody else's brain, which is always interesting. And uh, so in that way, it was a great experience. And uh, so I did do that. And at the same time, continuing, you know, to pay the bills with illustration and trying to get some gallery presence going. So I, I got, um, I got into my first gallery, I think in 2010. So about a year after school. Mm -hmm. Um, What gallery was that? So it was called Williams Fine Art, which was then purchased and became Alderwood Fine Art. And they've since, they didn't last very long. And then I was in a couple of other galleries in the Park City Gallery, and I was in uh, another gallery in town and then um, landed at, at the gallery I'm at in Salt Lake City right now called uh, David Erickson Fine Art. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good gallery. It is a good gallery. It is. And, and um and then and then you found me i did facebook i think is where it was uh yeah i believe it was facebook yeah you saw saw a painting that you actually have in your gallery now yeah hey the hey caropolis painting maybe you can splice it in and people yeah we will we'll show a picture of it so so that painting um at the time was the largest painting that i'd ever done um I'd done one other that was the same size. Um, and the, it was just one of those moments when you're driving by something and you're like, <gasps> I gotta paint that. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I do that and, with a camera sometimes and I back it up and go, I gotta get a photo. And, and so we didn't have time and the lighting was bad on the way. We were, we were driving from uh, Salt Lake to St. George, Utah. And, and you could see this haystack in the snow, uh, you know, just off the freeway. And it, it's a bunch of tumble down bales, weathered, just, you know, sad, sad looking haystack. <laughs> but beautifully sculpturally wise though. Oh yeah, beautiful shapes and beautiful contrasts with the snow. And I, and I thought to myself, I, I have to paint it. So on the way back, uh, I convinced the, the family to, you know, we'll pull off the side of the road and I'll tromp through the snow and take some photographs. And, Right. And uh, and so that's what I did. Took it from all different angles, close-ups, you know, and and everything. And the lighting was great. It was a it was a sunny morning, and uh, so I got good shadows and good shapes. And and uh, I get back to the car, and and uh, you know, my my wife and my kids just roll their eyes whenever Dad gets out of the car with the camera because they're like, "Well, we might as well put on a CD," you know. Yeah. No. And, I get and they they listened to the entire CD while I was tromping around taking pictures well they know when you say it's only going to be a minute they yeah know just be a minute half an hour later you know whatever my kids used to hate when i'd run back to the gallery i just got to do one thing and they'd be like oh great okay. it's gonna be an hour i'll see you in an hour <laughs> yeah so you know how it goes it's it's uh but it was just one of those subjects that i, I think it 
stems back to um, the semi-rural upbringing that I had. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we had a f family homestead um, in South Jordan, um, about, I think it's seven acres. It was seven acres. My great aunt lived on it. And it was where she and my grandma were born. So it was the family homestead. And um, she lived there. She never had kids. So, uh, you know, I, I spent a lot of time there taking care of the animals. And she kept the animals on the property so that she could continue to have uh, an agricultural zoning so that she didn't kill, get killed with the property taxes. Mm -hmm. And um, so the, they had, she had sheep and chickens and my dad grew a massive vegetable garden down there and and it was it was our little farm oasis in the in the middle of town and you know we'd haul hay bales in the summer and and irrigate out of the canal and, and uh it was it was a it was a cool place to spend time and now it's all apartments no actually actually there are houses around it there's a subdivision around it yeah but but um my dad and and his uh brothers before that my dad passed away convinced the city to take over maintenance of the house and the surrounding pasture and it's a little bit of it's a little park so oh, that's cool. so that's a little park so the, all the barns and the outbuildings and the house have been restored on the exterior and supposedly sometime down the line they're going to redo the interior of the house and turn it into sort of a meeting place or something yeah that's cool uh, but it's still there howard post's family did the same in tucson they had a ranch and his you know third generation and they gave it to the city of tucson so there's that's uh, cool yeah, just yeah. Like so the, so i mean in in reality now it's probably the only remaining uh vestige of of what that town was like a hundred years ago. Mm, that's really interesting. And uh, and so, you know, I'm grateful that at least it's still there. Yeah. And so you finish, you start painting in 210, you get, it was 210, you got a gallery. Uh, yeah, I believe around that time period, yeah. yeah. And so what's happened since then from 210 to now? That's 10 years, um, soon. Yeah, that went by fast, didn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah, I mean, well, you, you know, I, I would anticipate you kind of have hit your stride at this. Point um, I, I, I feel like I'm getting closer to, you know, quote unquote, a stride. Um, I, I feel like I know some of the subject matter that I want to, to paint, and and I'm getting more comfortable with the scale of larger paintings. And, you know, up to that point, I most of my work was you know, 120% of reproduction size, whatever that is, you know, I didn't paint anything very large because I didn't have to. And uh, so working at scale, I think is, has been one of the challenges that I'm, I've had to tackle and figure out how to paint larger. And, and uh, but I'm doing it, you know, I got that thing right there. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. I, I, I see your large paintings as being, um, I don't know. They're more intriguing to me. I, they seem like you're a, somebody who works better in in large paintings than even small. You know, well, some I, people are good and small, like you know, 
or you think of Matt uh, Smith and, you know, he can paint great. You know, he's one of the great. Oh, Matt's, Matt's got a phenomenal technique. But his little paintings, he loves to do them and you can tell and they're some of the most complete and, you know, and you have to push him a little bit to get the bigger ones. I almost feel the exact opposite with you that the big ones are really, you know, where your stride is. Well, I, I'm, I appreciate that. I think, I think these next few paintings, I think I'm really going to turn a leaf and, and, and it'll become, it'll feel more um, natural maybe. Uh, it, it, it's getting to the point where it's not as intimidating. You know, when you compare this many square inches with you know, right. this many square inches, it, it right. does get a little intimidating, but I, I think I'm, I think I'm getting over that hurdle. You're over it. You may well, not be over in your own mind, but I can tell you yeah. from a art standpoint. I appreciate it. it. <laughs> I can so, tell you. Yeah. I hope you like that, that uh, one I just sent you. Yeah. Now that we did a great little video, people can see this video. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I appreciate that. That turned out really nice. You like how we made your logo? <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah. I thought it was cool. Yeah, I, I, well, and then the, the, the part that I really liked about that video was where it fades from the photograph to the painting. Yeah, that was all my videographer, Will. So we've got a couple of really great staff here. And I'll shout yeah, out. Yeah, he did. He did a great Pat. job. Yeah, he really Pat, did. Pat did all the, the, the voice, got, got the little bat sound bites where it needed to be. And Will did the video. And then I looked at it and said, great, that looks fantastic. Let's do a yeah. few little things and this and that. And, you know, and then you have it. And, it, you know, it's nice to have a real video that goes along with this major painting that took a lot of time to, you know, produce. Yeah, I did. I mean, in fact, like I said, because, because I'm less interested in, in depicting like a photographic rendition of reality. Right. Um, it, there's, there's, I think there's a lot more problem solving in, in the color and in the, the shape making and, and um, just getting the temperature balances to feel right, and because it's not just a it's not just a copy of a photo, it's, yeah, not at all. It's uh, it's this distillation of so many different things that uh, I I actually had to put it down for quite a number of weeks before I was like ah, I got to figure this one out, and I went back to the smaller study and painted on it some more, trying to you know solve some some temperature issues and different things and and um, then when I pulled the big one back out again, I, I was able to solve it to to a point where I liked it. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, you may have only been doing fine art for ten years, but you've been a artist and and creating and making imagery for your whole life for thirty. Exactly. And no. I think teaching art too. I mean, <laughs> teaching art for three years in a university setting also really sets you apart because you're just immersed in the whole process of painting. Right, right. And you're, and you're noticing, you know, you're noticing your own weaknesses too, as you try and um, encourage these kids to overcome their own, you know, their own weaknesses, I guess. It's, it's like, hey, you know, play to your strengths, but don't ignore your weaknesses try and get balance in in what you're trying to do and and uh and so you know i try to do the same in my work if i go okay well maybe i want to incorporate more texture into my my work or or maybe i want to improve my my color relationships mm -hmm. or 
or whatever. It, it, it's always a, a new challenge. Like I want to, I, I want to take a new challenge like this one right here. Um, never done a nocturne, mm -hmm. at least not a big one. So this is a piece in his studio that we're looking at, which is a, a rainbow bridge kind of. A... It's uh, it's called Corona Arch. Corona. It, yeah, exactly. Corona. <laughs> <laughs> so there's no timeliness there at all. But yeah. I don't know my if you whole want point. To title that you may want to find a different title. <laughs> actually, actually, my my philosophy on it was it was this whole thing was inspired by, you know, Corona becoming the buzzword of the year mm. uh, and yet this this arch was has been named corona arch for i don't know how long and it stood there for i don't know how many thousands of years and so my 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 thought was that it would um it's still going to be there when this all blows over yeah you know yeah but, well the corona is a circle by the way too it's uh you know, it's a medical term, actually. So I'm assuming. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, and and it's a it's a you know it's an astronomy astronomy terminology too, yeah. the throne mm -hmm. of the sun and whatever. Right. So, I guess my my thought being that uh, words get hijacked sometimes. They do. I mean, how would you like to be Corona beer? Ah, <laughs> yeah. Their sales went down a lot. Actually, I'm sure it did. Yeah. I mean, it's just word association it's got a not a good association and and so i right now it's titled corona nocturne and uh we'll we'll talk about if that yeah it's interesting as a dealer i can tell you um that titles are immensely important in how people decide to buy things or not buy things and i see it on a regular basis they a title can kill a sale or it can make the sale and um, so, you know, it seems like a, something that wouldn't be that important, but it's immensely important because people immediately put thought patterns to whatever that may be, including if you go, this is a specific place in Utah, let's say. It is. is. I mean, yeah. this, this arch is um, just outside of Moab, Utah, you know, just outside yeah. of arches. It's not in the park, right. Arches National Park. Um, so it gets used a lot. Um, they put more restrictions on it, but it used to be used a lot for um, rappelling and um, they used to do the rope swings under it, you know, where you just dive off and swing yeah. under it. And yeah. uh, they've, they've put a lot more restrictions on it because they had people die. Yeah, I could see that, of course. And, uh, but, but it gets trafficked a lot because it's not inside the park. Yeah. people like paraglide underneath it and everything i mean so i mean just in that form if you called it the death zone you know, <laughs> you know it's just not going to be as enjoyable as you know utah arch or whatever it might be you know the subtle moment uh, you know center of creation you know all those things and corona i think has a somewhat of that same sensibility as the death zone in a weird it way it does right but, now yeah it will for a while I mean, when Dixon was painting those depression era pieces and, you know, Harold R. Clark comes and looks at him and wants to buy him in 37, it was pretty revolutionary because, you know, Dixon's painting these more for himself. He's really not painting these to sell because who wants to buy paintings of depression when you're in the depression, right? Right. So they were beautiful paintings that Harold R. Clark could actually see past all that. Uh, including whatever those titles, no place to go, you know, pickets, strike, all these kind of things, um, scabs. So 
you know, he was ahead of his time. He, he went with the art, but titles really, you know, they can, you know, they can make or break a painting. And I think, uh, I don't know if they teach that in art class, actually. Uh, I don't think so. I never got, I never got any of that. But then again, I, I didn't take the studio art classes either. So, yeah, I mean, Dixon painted a painting in 1935 in, in Nevada called The Bank Wins, and it was this dilapidated old home. Right. Yeah, I remember that painting. Yeah, and they couldn't sell it. So, he, you know, he changed the title, you know, to uh, Abandoned Homestead, which he could then sell. And, just, you know, nobody wanted to be reminded of the Depression. And so, you know, some artists might say, well, that doesn't matter. The title is what I think and what I believe and what I feel. And, you know, I don't care if it's right or wrong and I can get that. I understand that. But um, I also think that just from a standpoint of you are making art to sell and to pay your rent, sometimes more uh, thought maybe needs to go into titles. I bet if you talk to other artists about this conversation, I bet they would have some very strong um, thoughts on, on this. A lot of yeah. I, I I've got a Facebook artist friend that that has talked quite a bit about how he didn't really change his paintings, and but one day he decided to title them differently, and he started making these sort of crazy poetic type titles to go along with his paintings, and all of a sudden he started selling them like crazy. It's true, and people remember those. I remember those. Well, I mean, even if you don't, I mean, you know, Stephen Yatz has one called Contemplation right now, and that's really, you know, that's a title I can remember, you know, or Dixon with, you know, um, you know, Earth Knower, you know, these ones mm -hmm. that there are things about a title that people are going to have a relationship immediately with that title, uh, which brings them into the painting. So uh, I think it is something that needs to be thought of more uh, on a serious basis from that standpoint. Again, I'm never going to tell an artist what they should or shouldn't do. But sometimes if there's a title that's really you know, hurting the piece, I'll, I'll let them know. I'll go, you know, it's, it's the title. People really are having a problem with your title. So. Well, we'll have to have that conversation after we're done here. <laughs> uh -huh. We are right now, Corona. <laughs> corona view. No, just go with Death Zone. It's just as good. <laughs> so, so where are you headed from here? What's, what, what's your, you know, your plan from 2020 on, do you know? Well, I mean, I've got a couple of large paintings that are underway right now. And I think that the, the hope is, is that I can continue to do enough of those large paintings and sell them that, you know, it gives you a little bit more flexibility in, in the other smaller paintings or whatever. And, and um, just build, just build on what I'm doing. I, I still feel like it's, it's a new, it's a new venture. You know, I'm still, I'm still becoming known as a gallery artist. Right. Um, and uh, so, so yeah, I mean, if, if I could be three, four years down the line and, and then all I'm doing is gallery work. Uh, that'd be fantastic. You know, as it stands right now, I, I, I still fill in the gaps with some other projects. And, and uh, you know, I think it's smart to have enough irons in the fire that you can survive something like what we're going through right now. Yeah, and, definitely. I agree. And so, you know, I haven't given up on any of my other avenues of potential income. Uh, 
because right now that just feels silly. Yeah. Um, Makes sense to do what works too. But, but yeah, I mean, the ideal would be look back and go, okay, I've, I've completely established myself in the gallery art world and, and people are liking what I'm doing and I'm selling and, and it's affording me to continue to do it, you know? Well, I think from a collector standpoint, um, individuals like yourself are the kind of artists, assuming you like the art, to really want to find and to collect because you're still, from a financial standpoint, a price point, low, right? You're still really affordable. affordable. <laughs> no, it's true. You're still affordable. It's true. There's, you can get a maybe more work. potential. Yeah, I mean, because there you can get a major work that, you know, uh, at a level that's going to be different. I can assure you, your paintings are going to be different in 10 years. They're not going to be at the same level that could continue to rise. And so- Well, I hope I hope so. Yeah, no, for sure. I'll make sure. Um, but- you know, Let's make it happen. <laughs> yeah. But it's true for a collector, if they can find somebody who, I mean, you have 30 years of painting experience, but sure. you might've only been on the fine art market for 10 years. Well, that's a great zone for people to go, okay, I love this guy's work and it's really affordable. And because I hear it, you know, 10 years later, they're going to go, oh, I wish I had a bot, you know, his work when- you Like know, I had a chance to buy that one 10 years ago and I skipped yeah. it. You know, and I hear, I hear that like people say that about Ed Mel all the time. And I tell, you know, I've represented Ed for like 22 years and I say, you know what? I heard that 10 years ago. I heard it 20 years ago and I'm going to hear it 10 years from now because it's still going to continue to march forward. And, you know, there's a point where you have to go, okay, I'm going to get in. Just like if you bought Amazon at a thousand going, geez, this is too much. And now it's 3000, you know, right. you know, great things of quality that there's only so much of, right? You can only produce so many paintings. Sure. These big ones, which take a lot of time, effort. You know, you just said on the one we have, you know, you've had to set it aside for, weeks just to try to get the right color composition, the warmth and the, the right value right. you wanted. So, you know, for anybody who's out there listening, you know, I highly re recommend you go look at Greg Newball's work because I can tell you they're not going to be at this level forever. Well, I appreciate that. I'm, I'm certainly, that's the goal. You know, I want to, I want to get to that point where, uh, you know, everything, everything goes out the door at a, at a nice, a nice price. Right. <laughs> Whatever that price is, but it's I mean, a nice price. Yeah. A price where you can get your kid out of the kids out of the basement, out of the basement, you know, go, go on a trip once in a while. Yeah. Nobody's well, I, going anywhere right now, but someday. Yeah. Uh, well, I, you know, I see your work continuing to just, you know, progress. And I can tell you, I get lots of artists that contact me on a daily basis, quite frankly, who want to show in the gallery. And how do I find you? Facebook, because I see it, right? So if you make sure. the work, if you produce the work, and this I think is a good uh, rule for other artists that are out there, you know, do social media and let people see what you are because people like myself are out there trolling. We're looking for things right. like, wow, who's this person? That's amazing. I really, you know, it's just, they clearly have it. You can tell, right? I mean, sure. you know, if you're a good gallerist, you, you can tell immediately uh, when you see it. And there's been a lot of my artists that I found that I've never heard of before, you know, whether it was Francis Livingston, who I saw, you know, in the yeah, his stuff is great. Yeah, I saw him in the Smithsonian Magazine. I called up, you know, I found who this Francis, I thought it was a woman artist. And I went, 
I wanted to show her work. I mean, it was really <laughs> phenomenal. I could see the brush strokes. I could see everything about the work. And um, so, you know, for me to be able to connect that quickly on one, you know, just one image of a painting, I knew you had the, the stuff. You know? Well, I, I appreciate it. I, I feel, you know, I feel privileged to be part of the group of artists in your gallery. I mean, it's like if I made a list of who's who in Western art right now, it's like they're all there. Yeah, and, good ones. <laughs> yeah, really, really good group of artists. Yeah, and so I mean, I feel privileged. Yeah, no. Well, you you stand, you know, you're right there, and uh, that's one of the reasons I try not to take too many artists into my gallery because I really want them to be a cohesive kind of group of artists that have that original voice. They have whatever that is. Um, and, it, and I don't look at it from a standpoint of money or how much sales. It's really that they have the ability to see the world on their own. That's number one. Two, they have the chops to be able to do it. And three, that, you know, they're nice people. You know, it's nice to work with artists that you really want to help and treat as family and you want them to go forward. And I think everyone in my gallery has that. Uh, well, I mean, that's a, that's a credit to you. You know, you've found, you've, been able to foster sort of this uh, atmosphere in in your gallery and your stable of artists that every, everybody likes everybody and everybody feels like it's a it's a win win you know it's family you know it really is yeah. you know there and and I get nothing greater pleasure in my life when I sell a painting especially if it's by an artist that maybe I haven't sold a painting in a while and it's like yeah you know because I know I just made a difference for them yeah. Yeah. Well, let's, let's, let's hope somebody likes yeah. one of mine. <laughs> a new bowl. Yeah. Well, there's a new one there. There's a great Greg new bowl that we just finished. It's a brand new painting with a fantastic frame, I might add. And we did a whole. Yeah. That's on shout there. out to uh shout out to my boy, Travis uh, at gold river gallery. Cause he makes the most beautiful frames. Yeah. He does do a fantastic job. And um, you know, it's, it's, it was worthy of doing a video for him. We did. And we just, but it just came out recently. So go check it out. Greg, anything else you want to say before we let you go back to painting? No, I just really appreciate everything you do. You know, your whole crew, they've been so good and uh, it's been uh, wonderful to work with you. And, and I look forward to, you know, a long, right. a long <laughs> uh, career moving forward with, with the uh, medicine man. So. Yeah. I, I fully expect some uh, dealer, some smart dealer is going to listen to this and go, Hmm, I wonder if uh, he wants to show with me. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just make sure they're a good gallerist. That's if all. I, I and if I can make enough good paintings to supply enough yeah. galleries, then you know, great. But but right you know, right now I'm I'm focusing on making sure I get great work to you and uh, my other gallery, and uh, we we'll just see what happens from there. Well, you'll just you're gonna just keep doing just keep making art, you know, you're in the groove. So, you know, it's, it's hard sometimes when you're in the groove and you're dependent on galleries to sell your work. I mean, that's a tough thing, right? It's, can tell it, you, it really you know, is. I mean, yeah. the, this stretch with the Corona has, has been, you know, more challenging than I expected it to be. Um, but, you know, I, I see good things on the, on the other side here pretty soon. Yeah, that's right. Just keep doing your thing. You know, we'll all come out of this. It may be a while. I mean, this is, you know, we're, we're filming this in mid-August of 2020. And 
I expect that it will will still have somewhat of the same sensibilities a year from now in 2021. It may yeah, be, but it's still I hope have that same sensibilities to some extent. I hope it's I hope it's eased. Uh, I I hope people um, by then uh, feel like they can just live their life, you know, and and you know just take whatever precautions you need to, but like don't not live, don't don't not buy art. Yeah, you know. I think you should live now. I mean, you know, just do it on a smart basis from a medical standpoint. Sure, and and, I, and we and we are you know. at big crowds and parties and things like that. Wear your we, damn mask, as they say. <laughs> we've got our we've got our pile of masks that we uh, can choose from, and uh, every time we go out, we, you know, we have them, and and it's just it's just what it is right now. Because I'd rather I'd rather wear a mask and not get it than be stupid and get it you know yeah, i mean it's a simple preventive you know measure so you come to our gallery you're going to have a mask you know that's how it is you're going to have social distancing you're going to buy something and check out we have big uh acrylic guards that are in front of the right which i had personally made with a great company out of ohio and i'll put that information on the end of this podcast that they designed for us as for art so you could see the art beautifully. It was well constructed. It even has the logo on the shield itself. So it's not just some acrylic screen that you know I bought that you see in a supermarket or something. Where they like sandwiched it between a couple of two by fours. <laughs> yes, so th it's really made a very beautiful thing as for an art gallery. And there are screens for art, for art galleries specifically made. Um, it was one of my clients that we worked to, with them and they, and I said, this is what we need, but we don't want to obstruct the art. When we, when you look through them, we want to be able to see the art. So we don't want any big aluminum, you know, right. Cause we want it to be, and we want it to be artful and they accomplished that. That's so, awesome. Yeah, it really is. So, you know, those are the little details that, you know, make you safe, but also you still say, I care about those things, the aesthetics, right. aesthetics are everything, right? Well, I, I hope I can make it down to Tucson um, before too long. If I get a big enough pile of paintings that it yeah, doesn't come. make any sense to, to ship them, then I'll drive them down. Yeah, yeah, bring them. We, we expect to actually be quite busy this fall and winter, and it's going to be a different kind of busy, maybe. It may be mainly um, more of a hybrid online come in, you know, because we still have to limit the number of people come in. We don't want right. to people coming into our gallery. So it'll be a different little bit of a sensibility. But, you know, if you're in New York area or you're in a cold area, you may not want to really be indoors for four months. Uh, you might, if you can afford to, you may want to go to a place like Arizona or California or yeah. know, places. And we're finally getting our uh, Corona under and, uh, is it is it uh, you guys have been in a hot zone for a while is it coming we down? were a hot zone when they opened the bars and that has changed dramatically when they started mandating masks once they closed the bars mandated yeah masks, it dropped precipitously and we're still dropping so if we can continue to be smart as a community which i think they can for sure in tucson um you know that we will see you know cases go down and we'll get to a point where it's uh, you know, it's doable, especially if they do contact tracing. You know, you have to have it down to a certain level before you can even, you know, really do contact tracing. It won't work. I mean, if right. everybody has it, very difficult to do it. So we're getting there. And I think by winter, I think that we'll see a different, it'll be different. We'll still have a 
every place in America is still going to have, I think, this line of, you know, a steady state of numbers of cases. It's not going to just go away, period. Sure. Until there's a vaccination and there's enough people that get the vaccination that you can get more of a herd immunity. But you have to have convinced people to get vaccinations too, right? True. So, yeah. You know, we're we, America. We may not want vaccinations. You know, you get it, but I don't want to get it. So. Uh, I don't know. We, we, we've, we've had cases, they spiked pretty hard about a month ago here, um, comparatively speaking. And then, uh, you know, the, the, the governor came out and said, don't be stupid. Wear your masks. Yeah, you know, We shouldn't have to tell you to not be stupid. Right. But, but it, it's been dropping uh, pretty steadily since then. Um, I'm a little worried about the start of school coming up in a couple weeks. Yeah, it's got to be very difficult for a lot of people. But, you know, it, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Right. <laughs> and, that's the, and that's why we don't name the, the painting Corona. <laughs> <laughs> Even though it is Corona. Even it might be a it subtitle. <laughs> can, we, can we make it a subtitle? <laughs> yeah, you can make it a subtitle. <laughs> Just very small. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much for taking the hour to come and talk. Actually, an hour, we talked for an hour and 20 minutes. How about that? Oh, wow. Okay. Fast, huh? Yeah. Well, hey. It's a fun time to get to know you. No, I appreciate it. I, I had an enjoyable time Good. talking to you too. So. Well, well, we'll see what's coming up next on the horizon. I like that painting in the back. So keep this me, one. Yeah. Yeah. That's nice. It looks yeah, that, that's That's the rough block in. It's still pretty rough, but from a distance, it looks okay. The one behind you that's a little small one that's kind of a dark painting next to the guy with the sickle. Did What's you make that in the, this the one on your, on your, yeah, that one. That one? Yeah, was that a painting that you, we're still doing this folks. So we're gonna just pull this out. I just think it's a really beautiful little painting. This yeah, one? That's, yeah, that's a gorgeous painting. So this is uh, Mount Olympus. It's just actually out my front door. This is about a mile south, a view about a mile south from me. Um, but this is the mountain that's just right outside my front door. Yeah, and, and that's, that's a study, I assume. For, it's for, a study. Yeah, I've got a bigger one that's uh, about 40 inches wide that, I've, that I'm starting. Yeah, send me that one when it's done. So you, you would like this one? Yeah, that's great. Yes, yeah, so this is a beautiful little painting. Okay. Late light. It looks like late light on the mountains with dark yeah. clouds. And, yeah, and, in, in fact... Um, I was coming back from the retinologist. Um, I didn't tell you this story earlier, but maybe I will right now. Okay. Um, uh, I had a retinal tear. I think I told you I had a retinal tear. Yeah. Uh, day before Halloween 2018. Yeah, day before Halloween 2018. Uh, and, you know, when you think about how that affects your vision, it's scary. Yeah, very. And we were coming back from the uh, the laser treatment for that tear, uh, and that sunset happened, and I thought, wow, that's kind of a gift from God, you know. And I yeah. hopped out of the car and went and took a bunch of photographs of it, you know, because you only get about two minutes of that light. That's right. And uh, and I thought, okay, sometime I'm I'm gonna make that a painting, and so it's happening now. Yeah, just let's just don't call it retinal tear. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, but you know, I mean, the, the, the eyes, it's not perfect, but it's, be, it's a lot better than it was. And, and I'm glad I can still see. And yeah. And the brain actually compensates that for that fairly quickly. And, Interesting. Yeah. So, so, you know, I, I got to monitor it and make sure that uh, it stays stable and whatnot. But, uh, 
it was weird. I was just eating breakfast one morning and I can tell it, you, it looked like a shade just came over your vision. No, it, it, it didn't, it didn't completely detach. It, yeah. it tore a blood vessel. And so it looked like someone had squirted oh, yeah. ink yeah. inside my eye. Right. And, uh, and that ink just sort of dispersed inside my eye to where it yeah. got really, really cloudy. And I'm like, this is bad. So we immediately got in and got it. Yeah. That's you know. good. That's so, good. Partial tear. That's excellent. Yeah. Well, I love the little painting. We'll put a, if you send me an image of that too, and we'll put it in the, uh, the YouTube version of this podcast so people can see what we're talking about. And okay. And the big one will be coming sometime in the future. So there you yeah, go. Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, if, if, so this one, this one will probably come first if you like this one. Yep. Um, and then the, and then this one uh, is also in process and, and, uh, happy to send that one your way if, if that's right. uh, one you like pictures. we'll put these on the youtube and, and i've got uh this one's underway too see this is what an artist does we're really talking a podcast but they want to sell art this is really what art so, is about. oh yeah that's fantastic yeah so this is uh ben uh horseshoe ben yeah and uh and this one's going to be 48 i think it's 48 by 48 36 or something yeah. 38, 38 by four that's such an icon anyway it's it's iconic. pretty nice size yeah and that's an iconic image too you know i've had so, a few artists that have painted that and it, it's always such an iconic painting yeah so there's and then so there's my one for march so keep painting <laughs> so so yeah that so these are these are all like i said on the big scale of what yeah. i do so it'll be fun to sling that much paint and yeah it's funny for me as a dealer, I'd much rather have large paintings. And I'll tell you why is I know an artist can only do so many big paintings in their life, right? There's only so much time to do them. And I would much rather have the things that are significant. Um, I'd ha rather have less paintings and have larger ones that are significant efforts of their life and place those to me. That's well, more, I, I, I'm, I'm hoping I get to the point where they don't take as long as they're taking right now. Like yeah, I said, no, the last big one we had, it took a, a, what a two days, and the one before that, it didn't take very long. So you know, they go pretty quickly, actually. But, you know. Oh, you mean before you sold it? Yeah, I mean the ones that come in. You know, you, your your paintings have come in and out pretty fast. These ones that really hit, these big ones, they usually. Well, the, the yeah, I mean, I I was surprised how big Desert Sentinel. I mean, that's that Desert Sentinel, the one I sent you. Uh, when was it? November. Yeah. And, and how quickly it moved. Like, yeah. I think you sent me an email like a week later and said, we sold it. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It can happen, Greg. You're a good painter. Let me just tell you, you're a good so, painter. <laughs> no, I appreciate great. it. I, yeah. I, you know, you always feel like you're doing something okay. And then, you know, we're, I think we're all a little self-conscious. Yeah. Uh, most artists are. It's true. And, and, and you, and you, you know, you want people to like what you're doing. Obviously they have to like it or you don't make a living, but, but yeah, you, you know, everybody likes a pat on the back. Yeah, it's true. All right. I'm going to give you a pat on the back. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> go, go, go paint baby. All, All right. right. Hey, All thank right. you, Mark. All right. We'll talk soon. All right. Okay. Have a good day. See ya. Thank you. Bye. Bye.